Hey, welcome to the House Divided Podcast. We'll be breaking down the Tennessee Volunteers, the LSU Tigers, and a couple of other biggest games coming up in the next few days. Joe, happy to be hosting you here on the House Divided Podcast. Joining me always will be my beautiful wife, Bethany. Hey guys, I'm Bethany. We also have a guest with us tonight because he thinks the equipment's cool. Easton's going to be on with us picking our bowl games. Say hey. Hey. We're excited to get into some bowl games with you here. I think we got nine games that we've picked, including the two college football playoff games. Of course, the Tennessee football game and the LSU game. Looking forward to getting into these. Some real fun matchups coming up. I'm looking forward to the next few days of football. Bowl season's been okay so far. Not really any marquee matchups. So, been some fun games. MTSU game the other night was pretty good. Yeah, I'm so proud of them. You know, going to MTSU, being an alumni, I was there when we first went 1A, and seeing them win a bowl game is just really, really nice to see. I mean, I remember when I was there, I was a scholarship um, on scholarship for dance team, and we have come a long way, we'll just say that. So, very proud of them. I think I told you I was the only one in my pick'em league, and it's about 50, 50 guys in that league. I was the only one that picked MTSU for the win. So, I got, yes. the, I got the win Blue on that Raiders one. Blue Raiders ride. Some, some points. So let's uh, let's not delay. We're going to jump right into it. We're going to run into these things chronologically here as they're going to come up in the next few days. We're going to cover all those that aren't playoff games, and then we'll hop into the, the last two playoff games and who we think we might see in the national championship. After the new year, we'll be able to hop back on, recap what we did right, what we did wrong, and then also talk about who's going to be playing in that national championship game and whether we're really happy about it, sad about it. Uh, and if George is in there, I'm just going to kind of hate my life. First matchup we've got for you. 5.30 p.m., December 28th, AutoZone Liberty Bowl. It's going to be Kansas versus Arkansas. Spread on this game, minus three points in favor of Arkansas. Over under is 68.5 points. They're both going to put the points on the board. Uh, this game has got a pair of teams that started very strong, but both kind of sputtered along the way there. Um, they're both finishing 6-6. Six and six. Kansas is playing its first bowl game since 2009, and Arkansas is in its second straight postseason matchup. Both sides feature a capable offense, and the Razorbacks and Jayhawks are both scoring 30 points per game, but are, they're both allowing over 450 yards on defense. This is a tough one to pick. I struggled with this game. Yeah, I mean, I picked Arkansas. And I'm pretty sure that they're favored in this matchup just slightly. Um, but, yeah, I went with Arkansas because, you know, Kansas has lost for their last five. And it's so odd because they won against Oklahoma State, but they lost for their last five. And then Arkansas has lost two of their last five in the season, but has an Ole Miss win, but lost against Missouri, which is very – that's baffling. Yeah. Th things that don't happen. And then lost against that, you know, that Liberty game. Well, Liberty's not a horrible squad. I I, I don't, I mean, yeah, I but I remember having to pick that game going into that week and thought this could be trouble. Um, But also Liberty coming into an SEC stadium and pulling out the win. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. So it is. It's a black eye of a loss on their record. And, th and all of the stats are pretty much really equal. I mean, 
Kansas, um, they allowed 450 yards. I mean, Arkansas allows 453. So it's going to be a maybe a fun one to watch um, because who knows going into this one. But I just picked Arkansas because, again, I root for the SEC, and I think that they're going to pull it out. I agree. I think this is going to be a fun one to watch, and that's why it uh, made it on the list of games that we're going to pick. I think this comes down to quarterbacks. Is K.J. Jefferson healthy? Should be. Should be back and healthy for, for Arkansas, and that's a different team when he's playing. And is Jalen Daniels back and healthy? I know Jalen came back for the Texas game uh, for the Jayhawks there. Didn't do much in that game. They had, they had a rough go of it that day. But when he was healthy early in the year, he's the, really the one that helped them, you know, with that early season success. He took a, an injury there in October, and he missed uh, three or four weeks of the season. I think this comes down to the quarterbacks. It, it, either team without without their leader and quarterback, I think they're going to struggle a bit. I would give the edge slightly to Arkansas's defense just on the, the, the O-line standpoint. I think both secondaries are a little weak. Uh, I think we're going to see the ball kind of fly around the yard. I think Arkansas has a little bit better of a, a defensive line and linebackers comparable to uh, Kansas. I'm taking Arkansas as well in the points. It's minus three in their favor. I think Sam Pittman will have these guys ready to go. I think they're hungry. I think this is not the year Arkansas envisioned for themselves, uh, and they're a little hungry to get out there and play. I picked Kansas in this game just because I want to see the upset, but I believe it's going to be a quarterback battle as well. We're just going to see how the defense does because if the defenses play well and let's say one quarterback is stopped, then it's just up to the other quarterback to make good plays and lead them to victory. This feels like a game that you get at times where you, you look at it on paper and both teams averaging over 30 points. It sets us up for like a 17-14 game. You see them all the time. Like, oh, both these offenses are going to light up the scoreboard. We're going to see some points in this game. And then all of a sudden, it's defense that wins it. So two picks Arkansas, one pick for the Jayhawks. Moving on. Same day. This is still December 28th, 9 p.m. This is the Tax Act, Texas Bowl, Texas Tech, Ole Miss. Texas Tech's a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this over-under. Once again, 69-and-a-half. Texas Tech carries a three-game win streak into this one. And Ole Miss, which uh, dropped three in the road near the end of the year there. Regardless, the Rebels are still favorites in the seventh meeting in this program. I think I misquoted that yeah, you did. Texas Tech is favorite. It's actually uh, Ole Miss that's favorite. It's Texas Tech plus three and a half, not minus. So my apologies for that. That is Ole Miss minus three and a half in this spread here. Ole Miss is four and two against the Red Raiders overall and three and in bowl games. And their most recent regular season meeting, Ole Miss won that 47 to 27. That was back in 2018. After uh, some speculation, Kiffin is still at Oxford. Uh, that was the talk towards the end of the year. The Kiffin has gone to Auburn. The check's already signed. He's just waiting on uh, the plane to take him out of there, much like he slid out late in the middle of the night in Knoxville. Too soon, Vol fans, I know. <laughs> the uh, Rebels have yet to miss a bowl game with Kiffin as their coach, and they'll uh, lean on the nation's third-best rushing offense against Texas Tech. Uh, led by Quinshawn Juckins, who romps for 1,476 yards in the regular season. I think uh, Ole Miss is actually going to win this game pretty easily with the the way I just stated. I think it's going to be a run game. Well, I picked the upset. Oh, you got Texas Tech? I have Texas Tech. The uh, Ole Miss defense is susceptible in the air, and uh, Texas Tech's going to air it out. Yeah, and that's that's really what I saw in this when I looked at it. 
And also, Ole Miss is Ole Miss has lost their last three games of the season. Yeah. So they really have lost some momentum um, going into bowl season. And also, my father would pretty much kill me if I picked Lane Kiffin. So don't want to upset Dad. Because Dad's um, a ball fan. Dad, dad's a ball fan. As he, he should be. You do not want to bring up Lane Kiffin in his presence. Uh, so, yeah, I've got Texas Tech. I had picked Ole Miss at first, and I was like, let me go back and look at this because, you know, Ole Miss is favored, and then the spread is three and a half. Three and a half. Three and a half, yeah. And so I think Texas Tech has some momentum going in. They won against um, Oklahoma uh, in overtime, their last game of the season. So I think they have momentum going into this Ole Miss game. I agree with the momentum. You know, the last game we saw Ole Miss was Ole Miss and Mississippi State, which ended up being Mike Leach's last game, rest his soul. Mm-hmm. Um, Ole Miss got gypped in that game. There were some really bad calls down the stretch that really they should have been in position to win that game. And some bad officiating, in my opinion, took that game from them. Uh, it's neither here nor there. you got to play to the whistle. Uh, a loss is a loss. Uh, but I think they've played well towards the end of the year and, and took, a, took a, a bad loss there at the end. Uh, with things that don't show up on paper, they're still playing hard for Kiffin, and I think they're going to play hard in this game. If Texas Tech is able to stifle that run game with Quinchon Judkins, then they have a chance in this game. If Ole Miss is able to run the ball at will and get play-action pass going, this could be a blowout in Ole Miss's favor. I don't see it being a blowout in the other direction. Texas Tech is very capable of winning this game. If, if this game's a blowout, I see it only blown out in Ole Miss's favor. I took Ole Miss in this game. And as you guys said, they've lost their last three games of the season. But I think they're going to bring it back, and I think they're going to come at this bowl game strong just so they can get a good end to the season. Still think Kiffin's missing that signature guy play caller like he's had for the last two years. Um, I think he's still searching for a quarterback and may pick one up this year in the portal. But uh, I've got Old Miss on this. So we've got two Old Miss and one for Texas Tech. Should be interesting. I'm, I'm going to look back. This will be fun to look back after the, the picks are over and we can come back and break them down and see who was the best, who was the worst, and uh, where things stand there. It is of note that Texas Tech has cycled through three quarterbacks this season. But the presumptive starter, Ty Slow, uh, he threw for 436 yards and two scores in overtime to win that Oklahoma game that you Oh, wow, you yeah. So he had a really good game. Um, and should be having a lot of confidence coming into this. Once again, it's on the slate because I think this is a very intriguing matchup, and I look really forward to watching this game. Anything else to add, Texas Tech Ole Miss? Nope. All right, we're going to move on. December 29th, 5.30 p.m., one of my favorite snacks. It's the Cheez-Its Bowl. Oh, nice. A little cheesy. A little cheesy. One of the only games we're picking outside of the SEC. I think it has interest um both nationally and within the lsu program this is oklahoma versus florida state spread on this game is florida state by 10 points they're favored by 10 oklahoma still bringing in a new head coach brent venables coming over from clemson florida state is finally getting some positive results in their head coach with mike norvell norvell's helped lead the seminoles to their first winning season and while Venables has steered the uh, Sooners in their worst outcome in about 20 years. Florida State has gotten some uh, welcome uh, help at quarterback with Jordan Travis. 
He'll announce that he will return for the 2023 season. He's passed for 22 touchdowns this year, but only four interceptions. That's some efficiency right there, which you can really appreciate. Win here would give Florida State its first 10-win season since 2016. It would also force Oklahoma to its first losing season since 1998. The history of these two teams make this a very intriguing matchup, and I think the Jesus Bowl is going to be a fun one to watch. It's going to be interesting to watch. I went Florida State for obvious reasons. Right. I think they're the better team. I do think they're the better team. But I was looking at yards allowed, and Oklahoma has 450 yards allowed, and then Florida State has 307. So there's a vast difference there. And um, past yards allowed, Florida State – has 158 versus Oklahoma at 261. So, you know, just really difference in stats, but definitely Florida State, I'm picking them for the win. And they've had, again, I talk about momentum, but they've won their last five games of the season. Yeah, momentum's a real thing. I got to shout out John Kelly here. A friend of mine, he's overseas. He used to be stationed here at Shaw with me. But shout out John Kelly. He's a Florida State fan, and he and I have always kind of, I pull for Florida State, he pulls for Tennessee. I think college football is good when Florida State's good. It gives that parity to the ACC, which we very much need. It's good to see them finally getting back to a place where they should be and competing for 10-win seasons and, and above. I think it's a good thing when we see them in there. I believe that Florida State's just the better squad overall. They're ranked 13. Oklahoma's not even ranked. Oklahoma's had a bumpy season, and I think Florida State's going to capitalize on that. You know, I wonder, we're giving the time off, though. There's still a lot of talent on that Oklahoma team. Uh, yeah, for and, sure. and I wonder with the time time off, you could see a completely different team. Things could get interesting in this game. But time off can be kind of a two. I agree. It, it yeah, is. It a double edged sword. Like, time off can give. I don't know if that's. Generally, though, you is. know, you want to talk about trends and rolling hot and, and uh-huh. those things. I think the time off is not in your favor in, in those scenarios. Whereas if you're struggling and you need some recoup, especially with injuries, if you've got a lot of injuries, get some people healthy. Yeah. Um, or maybe your scheme just wasn't working. All those extra practices, one of the biggest things you get with the bowl season is those extra practices is to move on and maybe try some new things. I think I think we could see a, a really intriguing matchup here. And I think Oklahoma's going to look a little different in this game than, than the Oklahoma we've seen all year. I don't think Brent Venables is the kind of guy that's just going to keep doing the same thing over and over just because it's what he, it's what the playbook says to do. I think he's creative enough to, to get after it and find the right guys that are going to compete. So I think we're going to see a close matchup here. I am picking Florida State in this game. I think uh, they I think they have too much offensively for a Oklahoma defense that just hasn't proven it to us all year long. I've got Florida State, and I got them pretty comfortably as well. I think ten, the 10-point ten spread's about spot on. Yeah. And let's just not forget that they broke my heart week one. Yes, yeah, with the block field goal. Or we, we remember yes. the extra point attempt. <laughs> the after, emotional After a miraculous comeback, 99-yard drive, I believe it was. It was yeah. the whole field. I remember that uh, that weekend, and, and the Tigers went down on a missed extra point, blocked extra point, and lost by one point to Florida State. All right, we're going to move on. To the hometown team. Oh, yeah. For all those out there listening, you may not know, we live in Columbia, South Carolina. We like to call it enemy territory because it's Gamecock country. We do support those Gamecocks as much as we can. We enjoy going to their venues and watching games because we just love sports, if you couldn't tell, because we have an interest to start a podcast. So here we are going into the South Carolina Notre Dame matchup, the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. All right, this game featuring South Carolina and Notre Dame. Notre Dame is favored by two and a half points. 
You know, the Notre Dame season started out a little funky. Things got weird. <laughs> uh, and then they had a really close loss to USC. Call it Marcus Freeman growing pains, right? Uh, the team was able to figure things out for the most part and eventually uh, uh, rocked uh, ACC champion Clemson. They gave them a heck of a game and, you know, I think really made the rest of the nation notice that Clemson may not be the Clemson of old. This got them in a nice bowl game, even though it was a loss to Marshall and Stanford along the way. After all, weird moments. <laughs> they tend to do things like that. But getting nine wins and closing out with a bowl would be terrific. There's a problem, though. The Irish are losing a lot of players, and important players at that. They have a transfer portal. Not just transfer portal. they got sit-outs and, and people going to the league. Uh, they're taking a major hit to the transfer portal. A lot of opt-outs. They're losing tight end Michael Mayer to the NFL. And the quarterback situation's pretty messy with Notre Dame. On the flip side, South Carolina's finishing off the season pretty strong. Spencer Rattler's looking like that quarterback that they wanted him to be when they picked him up in the transfer portal. The question is, who's he going to throw to? Josh Van, questionable. I don't know if he's going to play. Tight ends, gone. They're out the door. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd, gone. He's out the door. Throw in the losses in the secondary. Both these teams will be throwing way too many unknowns into this game. You know, it really comes down to a, a, a pick them here because we don't know what we're going to see from either side of the ball. You're going to see a lot of players touching the field that uh, didn't touch the field pretty much all year for either squad. Spencer Rattler's going to play, but the question is, who's he going to throw to? I think that both of these teams had a bumpy start with Carolina going 1-3 and three and Notre Dame going 1-3, and three, I believe. Yeah. Oh, but that 1-2. One 1-2. One, one They're both 1-2 and two at the start of the season. But I think they both bounced back. And even though they lost in players and players didn't perform how they wanted to, they still did good. They both had some mid-season losses. I think the two, the two losses you look for, particularly with South Carolina, are the Missouri and the Florida loss. The Florida one in particular because the Florida just ran the ball all over them. And that was a week prior to, to them just dismantling Tennessee, um, which made it even, even the worse. Yeah. Um, but Notre Dame's coming off of five, six, uh, six wins. I believe. Five or six wins at the end of the season. And the biggest being Clemson, and they beat Clemson by double digits. They did beat Cle Clemson by double digits. And the week before, they annihilated Boston College 44 zip. Yeah, but I mean, like, does Boston College still have yeah, a football no, program? They don't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Boston College fans. Um, and I also believe that. The Minutemen are true. It's okay. <laughs> they played for a minute. <laughs> I just believe that South Carolina is coming off a good end of the season. Even though they got destroyed by Florida, they still got two top ten wins. For sure. Those were both great wins by uh, South Carolina. And I think you saw the Spencer Rattler that was the the promised Spencer Rattler coming out. Uh, you, where he was at the rest of the year, who knows? Uh, I don't know if it was scheme, comfortability, or what I heard of. Heard a thing on the radio this week because we are here in Gamecock country where one of the guys was saying, you know, they talked about it in the offense coordinator, Satterfield at the time, just finally told them, F it, let's go play. And then they went out and just started to play, like like backyard and fall, and that seemed to work out pretty good. But, man, the losses they're taking, it just makes it unknown. Marshawn Lloyd's gone. Josh Fan's gone. Uh, they had another uh, a tight end that they were using. I'm trying to remember. Oh, Bell, yeah. He's gone because they just didn't know what to do with him. And I don't know if it's it's misappropriation with your players and she's not getting utilized right, but people people are hitting the portal and, and out, of, out of South Carolina. I think what Beamer's building is good. 
you know. I, I like him as a coach. I like him as a person. You know, I've got no ill will against him whatsoever. Uh, but when they lose, man, it's great radio. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I love the local radio I, when South Carolina loses. I think that you guys are not taking into account the swag that Beamer Just because he doesn't have ball. his pit loppers on right now, don't discount <laughs> his where, swag. That's where, you know, that's where Spencer Rattler was. He was in his mind. He had pit vipers on. He was chilling in the locker room with, like, a skinny margarita. Okay. And then he's like, let's go play ball, and he went and played ball. So, I mean, the momentum this team has and the fans, and this is just a few hours down the road, and I think the fans are going to show up in Jacksonville. It's four hours away from us. For sure. That's an easy drive, too. Straight down 95. Straight down 95. I think Beamer's going to show up. He's, you know, got his TikToks in. I think he's going to show up, and he's going to motivate. And – who knows? I mean, who's going to throw two? I mean, he might pull a graduate assistant out and say, hey, like, you're our next tight end. So the spread on the game is Notre Dame by two and a half. Over under, 51 and a half. What's the over under on Shane Beamer dancing with the pit vipers in the locker room? <laughs> I think I mean, that most definitely 100%. means a South Carolina win. It's got to be a 100%. South Carolina It can't be 100%. I mean, I – totally just know that they have a ton of momentum coming from the end of the season with two top 10 wins like Easton said and these fans are like baller right now I mean when South Carolina wins their fans are on top of the world they have a great fan base a great passionate fan base base that has stuck around through a lot of mediocre football and sports they had some great years under Spurrier but since it's been uh it's been rough. And I do love Touchdown Jesus. Right. Who doesn't? And he might come through for right. Notre Dame. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, they do – They, I mean, in Notre Dame, they've had, they have had a rocky start. They lost to Marshall. But this one's – I just got to go with the momentum of South Carolina. Yes, I believe that if South Carolina can keep up what they're doing and staying in the river, then I believe that they can easily win this game. Yep. So I'm going to go a little opposite there. I got to go – I got to go the other way. You know – I mean, sh- you're going against Beamer Ball? I'm going against Beamer Ball. Uh, I, I just haven't seen the consistency yet. I, I've seen valleys and peaks of the of this team, and it's just ups and downs and ups and downs, and you just don't know what you're going to get. I think what you know you're going to get out of, out of Notre Dame at least is consistent on the defensive side, and I think that's enough to challenge this South Carolina offense that doesn't have the playmakers that it had all year out wide or behind at running back, I think they're going to struggle to move the ball. I think it would take a spectacular game by Spencer Radler where he's got to put it on his shoulders, and I think we may see him put it on his shoulders when he makes mistakes. And it's defense alone. I don't know that Notre Dame can move the football either because just like South Carolina's missing it, Notre Dame's missing it as well. But I have a little more faith in their defense and the consistency that I've seen over the year. That's what leads me to pick this. When I pulled this game up to break it down, I, I was shocked at the amount of sit-outs, opt-outs, and transfers that we have on both sides of the ball, both teams. Unlike some games we've talked earlier uh, where we kind of know what we're going to get, I think this one's a, a real mixed bag, and we're not real sure what we're going to see on the field. Of course, it's on here because South Carolina's you know, the, the home state for us right now. It may not be the home team, but uh, it's the home state for us. And uh, we will always be interested in what's going on with Gamecock Athletics. Yes, I believe that consistency will win the game. Here. Beamer ball. Beamer ball. 
I want to see you. Ball. Okay, here here's the deal. Let's have a little fun with it. If South Carolina wins this, I want you dancing with the Pit Vipers, and I got I get to post it on social media. <laughs> no. Doing the Beamer dance. Come, oh, come on. on. The Beamer dance. No. And Please. I'll do what you want to do uh, if Notre Dame wins or okay. vice versa. Or how about this? I'll do the Beamer dance with the Pit Vipers if South Carolina wins. Okay. And if they lose, you got to do it. Okay. Is that okay. fair? Done. Done. Moving on. We've got the next matchup here. This is my home state. My volunteers, happy to have this one. I'm going to play them a little, a little music here. A little stomp, stomp. Let's go. Let's get that ball action ready. Got to get fired up. All right, this year's Orange Bowl is going to be appropriately named. we got Tennessee and Clemson. Number six and number seven spreads at five and a half in Clemson's favor. I could have said the orange team, but that might have thrown you all off. Over under on this is 63 and a half. Uh, Tennessee and Clemson come into this game both kind of underachieving from what they both expected to be. Both were looking at playoff bursts, but Boulder, both are fielding different quarterbacks coming into this team. Tennessee by injury, Clemson by choice. Get to see the young Cade Klubnick play, and then you get to see Rocket Joe Milton for Tennessee. You know, we saw Joe Milton start it last year, got a cannon for an arm, but struggled with accuracy. Cade Klubnick, on the other hand, we've only seen him in relief and then in some other spots for DJ this year. Cade looked really good in the ACC championship game and is uh, entering this one maybe his first start. Yeah. We do have a guest picker on the line. <laughs> Longtime friend, Jerry's on the phone. He's a Clemson fan. God bless him. <laughs> we've always we've always been cordial with one another because we like the orange and it's just fitting that we wound up against one another for a long yeah. time we were here in south carolina together and hating on those gamecocks <laughs> yep. thanks for having me yeah jerry man i appreciate you joining us uh in the inaugural house divided podcast as we're calling it yeah do you want to let yeah. our guests pick first yeah let's hear what you think jerry where are you where are you sitting on this uh this matchup how do you see it it's going to be interesting, you know, with you guys have Jalen Hyatt sitting out, one of your other wide receivers is sitting out, and then, of course, the unfortunate injury with Hendon Hooker. I still think you guys are going to be dominant offense. Um, I, I agree. Yeah. You know, it's Cedric Tillman. That's the other sit out. The, the offense is right. going to look different. Mm -hmm. you, you, you know, you're also, your OC moved on. However, Josh Heupel is still an offensive genius, and that's not going to change much. Uh, it was kind of like last year when Brent Venables left, you know, before the bowl game, uh, Clemson's going to get demolished. You know, Brent Venables isn't there. Not the case. The, the core is still there, right? You just lose a couple of your key players. Same thing with us on defense. Miles Murphy choosing to sit out to go to the NFL. Trent Simpson's injured. So that's two, two of our best starters. Actually, probably the two best starters on defense are going to be out. So I think it kind of evens up the playing field. Defense has kind of been our strong suit this year, where offense has been you guys' a strong suit. And I was looking forward to that great matchup. Uh, but now with a couple of key players out, I think it's kind of leveled the playing field a little bit. Yeah, I agree. You know, Jeremy <clears throat> Banks just announced this week our, our starting middle linebacker. He's going to be out. He was that key that was missing in that South Carolina game, and that Tennessee defense was just could, couldn't get right in that game. The sit-outs, man, it's, it's hurting college football. Uh, but I get it from their standpoint and where it's at, uh, you know, bigger money, bigger opportunity. I, I don't fault those guys. But also it's like you play so hard to get in these matchups and we get these marquee matchups, and sometimes it's just not the full strength of the team that you're going to see or the team you've seen all year. I also agree, you know, 
it's been Clemson's defense this year that's kept them there. Uh, DJU's been the guy all year, and bless Dabo, he stuck with him and stuck with him, I, I feel, until the till the moment he couldn't anymore uh, and had to make that switch. But uh, to his credit, he's done a good job and, and kept the offense capable enough uh, with a good defense to, to keep things moving. Um, it's going to be interesting to me. You know, that five and a half points, I call it, I'd call that a touchdown if this were it. At Clemson, I think you ought to be about a touchdown favorite, and I think that's probably about accurate. Because one thing you can't overlook is Clemson's done this year in and year out, and they're loaded with talent. Whereas Tennessee is still on that up climb, and those guys at the top, yeah, they're they're there for a reason. But the guys right behind them, it's a steep drop on who's coming in to take their spot. A couple of injuries here or there, or a couple of sitouts here or there, really affect that Tennessee team and their ability to prepare at a high level. As a fan of the Vols, I'm worried. Do I think we can win this game? Absolutely. You don't ever go into a game thinking you're going to lose when you got got Josh Heifel as a coach because he can go score some points. And when you can score some points, you can play with anybody in the country. But more yes. so, Cade Klubnick starting with Clemson, and I think Clemson's going to be able to move the ball. I think we're going to see a tight football game. Of course, you know where I'm picking. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know what you said, that offense like has been Tennessee's strong suit. I was just looking points per game. Tennessee has 47.3 and Clemson has 34.7. So like obviously offense has been Tennessee's strong suit, but led the nation for most of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But you know, I'll bring up something that Joe told me, I think last week that I didn't know is that um, Clemson doesn't take players from the transfer. They do not. Mm -mm. And so you have to commit to Clemson, right? It's been a Dabo thing for a long time, right, Jerry? Yeah. 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 And so at first that was like really endearing to me. I was like, oh, like commitment and uh, that he wants you to commit to his program and like their ways. But then I started thinking like these are kids in their, tw you know, early 20s, like 18, 19, 20, 21. And you should be able to pivot. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. You should be able to be agile and pivot. Like, and if a and if a program isn't like b the best place for you, you should be able to pivot. And just because you're you're making that change doesn't mean that you're not committed. So it just means that you're making the change that's best for you. How, how I view this, and and Jerry, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. And the way I understand <laughs> it is, Clemson's always going to put their best foot forward and give you the best offer that they can do. All they're asking is for you to do the same. And it, right. it's just kind of a way to get that that understanding mm -hmm. between one another. And if you choose to pass, you choose to pass. Yeah. And just know that that opportunity is gone. Yeah. Right. And it's it's not being facetious or, or unwilling to those kids. It's just that this is it. We're, we're telling you that we're committed to you. We're just asking you to do the same to us. I just yeah, think exactly. Of, I just think of, like, the Joe Burrows. Like, he – I agree. Right? Yeah. And if he wouldn't have moved, he would not be where Joe Burrow, he who he is today. today. I agree. I agree. Right? And, and there's a lot of guys out there that, that are the same, that if they had they never left there, you know, they would have been three or four down that line and never seen the field. It happens, for sure. Yeah. And but nothing, I, Nothing's yeah. keeping them from Agreed. leaving Clemson at the same at the same. I know. I know. Yeah. But yeah. I just think there's you're missing out on a lot of good talent oh, no, and for a sure. lot of good kids. I'm, sh and I'm sure you I see some players yeah. in the portal, Jerry. You're like, man, I wish we'd pick that guy yeah. up. And I yeah, don't absolutely. know. <laughs> and it's like, are you able to compete at the level for years on now at the level that everyone else is? Well, you know, college football is changing. And, right? I, and I think uh, 
I mean, what do you think? Yeah, Jerry, where are you at on that? You think Dabo's going to have to change his stance, or you think Clemson's going to be able to continue with that stance uh, moving forward? So he does take guys from the portal, but it's it's on a, a select case by case basis, right? He has to be in a dire need. You know, he went last year and took Hunter Johnson, who actually left a program and transferred to Northwestern. I don't know if you guys remember, he was a five car, five star kid. He was debating between Clemson and Tennessee, and ultimately chose tennis or ultimately chose Clemson. And then he gets there, well, Trevor Lawrence shows up, he transfers out, out goes to Northwestern, plays a couple of years there. He comes back with his COVID year last year. He actually reached out to Coach Sweeney and said, I'd like to come back and a grad student thing. And he said, well, I can bring you in as a fifth like quarterback. And you can start stepping into that role next year. So uh, he's got a similar player this year. Who's, it's actually Bear Bryant, Bryant's grandson just is bringing in from Arizona State. He was actually at Alabama the first time. So he's a graduate. Dabo wants to take graduates, guys that he can help in the future. It's just one of his saying he it's not necessarily doesn't take guys from the portal portal. It's just gotta be a dire need. Okay. Or, that that makes uh, more sense. Okay, there. that makes more sense. It does. Yeah. Thanks for it's the clarification that on that. Help. Yeah. Um that's that's kind of been you guys know Davo, he's loyal to a fault. Oh yeah, for sure. He's gonna die on that sword. Same the DJ sword. I mean he oh, he, he, he like rode he that till I don't think he could have rode it anymore. <laughs> really don't <laughs> no. Um because people were at that point they were like, you know, it's it's either DJ or Brandon Streeter is going to have to – something's got to change yeah. with this. Uh, it's either got to adapt to DJ or DJ's got to move and we got to change players, one of the two. I am a person to change my mind and be agile. Like, you either love it or no, you hate it. No, not you. <laughs> I mean, you either love it or you hate it. And Easton's dad – hated it <laughs> you know i would just i would just feel so trapped you know like i don't know like ugh, maybe i have commitment issues you know maybe that's it from a level i appreciate it i i think I mean, it's i think it's it's setting a standard of you know this is this is who we are um we are clemson we're, we're not and they are parentally one of the best five programs in the college football playoff era hands down yeah there's no other debate that they're they're there um and so i get it from that standpoint that you're you're just trying to to solidify that identity so yeah. i get i get where they're coming from i mean with that and i've gone into i mean i was on dance team at ntsu and went in there with a scholarship it's not what i thought it was right you know it's hard it's a hard it's decision hard. for for and, and if i young adults transfer yeah. and get a scholarship somewhere else yeah. and didn't have the support i did for my family you know what i mean i would want to do that all right, let's get back to this game. I'm going to go back to what we said earlier. I believe that both of these teams have had some setbacks in these last few weeks that have even the playing field. But I think Tennessee is going to win this game just because they're in the SEC and they've seen better defenses than I believe Clemson has. Very cool. Very Valid cool. point. Yeah. So I, I think uh, the, the keys to success for Tennessee in this game rest solely in Joe Milton. And if Joe Milton's accurate with the football, Tennessee's got a real good shot to win this game. If he's not and the offense comes out a little struggling and slow, which is a possibility, then uh, I think Clemson has has the horses to, to take this thing and, and, and make it their day. I think we're either going to be surprised either way. Oh, I, I don't – I think I could see 
seven different outcomes in this game. I really could. I could see a blowout Clemson's way. I could see a blowout I, Tennessee way. I could be. I could see like a West Virginia Clemson game. Remember? Yeah. From, yeah. I could see. I could see uh, coming down to a kick either side. I could also see it coming down to a an insane play one way or another that nobody could have foresaw coming either by Cade Klubnick. It just makes an insane quarterbacking play because mobile quarterbacks have been the vice of Tennessee defenses for, for so, so long, or a bomb from, from Joe Milton to some receiver that breaks open. Who knows? I, I really am wide open to this and just in curious to watch the game. We will do score picks on this one because I think that's a fun one to do. So let's throw it around and get everybody's final picks on this game. I'm horrible with score picks because I don't add up the math, and it's something that touchdowns. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the, the over-under is 63, 63 and a half. So I'm that's going to do um, – I'm going to do – It's like a 30-28 game. No, that's like a 30-35 I'm going to do 42. 42. <laughs> to 36. In favor of? Tennessee. She's going balls. I believe it's going to be like 35-38, game-winning field goal. That's going to go to the Tennessee. Game-winning field goal. Jerry, I'll go to you on this one, my man. You know, I, I feel like the game can go either way. Um, I'm going to have to go with with my team. Not a, bad, be not a bad pick. They're favored. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's going to be close, right? 41-34, to 34, and they're going to do it on the back of Will Shipley carrying the football. Hey, I like that. I like that pick. I think – I think that's an unsung hero of both sides of the football. Uh, as much as I talked about Joe Milton being a key to the game, the run game at Tennessee, which Josh Hopple's known for airing it out, but really it all starts from the run game. I'll say this. If Tennessee eclipses the 150 on the ground mark, Tennessee wins this game by about a touchdown. If we can get about 150 on the ground. If we don't, it's a, it's a toss-em. Uh, of course, I'm taking the Vols. Let me think here. I haven't really thought of a score prediction. I'm going to go 41-38 Vols. How, well, let me ask you before I pick that, Jerry. What's the most points Clemson's are allowed this year? Do you know? Oh, man. Because I feel uh, like 41's high. No, it was – let me think. I want to say it was either – Notre Dame probably? Or Notre Dame. No, yep. I think Wake Forest actually scored more. Clemson just happened to score more. Pull up their schedule, Easton. Take a look. As I as I said that, I said, man, that's a lot of points against is against <clears throat> against a Clemson defense. Just pull up their schedule and we can see their scores. Yeah. If I recall, Notre Dame was thirty five. I went to the Wake Forest game, but I don't even remember the score. That now. one was a close game too, wasn't it? That one, did it, it go was. to overtime, or or right down to the fourth quarter? It was right down to the last. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, a last second catch in the back of the end zone or something yep. like that. Uh, yep. It's 45. 45, and that was Wake Forest. Wake Forest. Yep, that's Ooh. what I thought. So let's go 30. <laughs> let's go 38-35 for my final score prediction. Vols. Any Wake last Forest, weird mesh offense? That, oh, dude, I know. And if you if you don't guard it, you're gonna get burnt every time. Yep. So yeah, interesting pick, man. I, I'm excited for the matchup. I'm happy it's the the two orange teams. Um, and best of luck to your Clemson Tigers, man. I hope to see an injury free and a clean football game and a fun football game. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk 
from from then on. I'll send you the link, man. We got a little pick'em going on. It's just a straight up pick'em, no spread. You can throw your picks in there and see how you stack up against us. And then I've got some family members and stuff that have joined in as well to play it. Uh, absolutely free to play. I'll send you the link on it, and we do appreciate you joining us and and uh, talking some Tennessee and Clemson football. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. Thank you guys for having me again. Uh, uh, this is going to be a great game. Tennessee is honestly my second favorite team. Like Joe said, it's because of the orange. Yeah, you I gotta guess. have the orange, baby. It's all uh, about the orange. But uh, on on this one, they're going to have to be with the number two team. So I, I uh, feel you, brother. I, this is a hard one for me because. I, I feel like I've been on the rise with Clemson I, in the early early 2000s, back in our QA days, you remember. I was right. like, man, I feel it. This is Clemson's going to be the year. And I, like, I feel like I've been with this team all the way through the, the come up. I felt invested in this team almost as much as I have my own. They've been that, that second team to me and pulling for those orange jerseys, feel, it feels right. So it's it's a hard one to to, to hope you, you beat them, but a worthy foe and a great head coach and a great program that y'all got there. And i happy to happy to have this matchup. Any last takeaways, Tennessee Clemson? Nope. Nope. All right, then. Big thanks for Jerry for joining us on the podcast. We do appreciate that. Good to have an uh, outsider's opinion there, especially on the Clemson side, as that's going to be the Vols matchup. We're moving on here. Actually, before you move on, I'm going to interrupt you there for a proud parent moment. Yes. So, when Easton picked Tennessee because – he said that they face better defenses because they're in the SEC. Proud parent moment. Very, right very there. good moment. Yes, way to raise them. Very good moment. Thank you, thank fist you. Bump, fist bump. Oh yeah. Thank All you Big Ten fans out there, just uh, go sit somewhere in the corner. <laughs> you don't want to talk about defense. I think he's been. That's how I know my child has been listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up, December thirty first. That's New Year's Eve. In case you didn't know, Ooh. what day is New Year's Eve? Easton. The thirty first. Yeah, what day of the week? I don't know. Yeah, that's that's, a, that's the life of a kid right there. Don't even know what day of the week it is. Let, let that would be count. Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. Saturday, the All State Sugar Bowl, number five, Alabama, going Pour up against some sugar on me. number nine, Kansas State. Oh yeah. Spread has got Alabama favored by six and a half points with a total over under of 56 points, which means we're going to see some defense in this game. Motivation might not be exactly equal between both Alabama and Kansas State. Going into the Sugar Bowl, when they face off in this New Year's Six matchup, Alabama is expected to win the national championship each and every year. Yep. So, you know, I told this to Easton earlier. I was like, Man, I don't know. Bama and bowl games that aren't yeah. that aren't playoff games, they don't have a great record. Uh, this year finds Alabama out with a two-loss record again, so, which means they're just playing in a run-of-the-mill New Year's Six bowl game. Oh, woe is me, Alabama. Kansas State, meanwhile, just knocked off a undefeated TCU team to claim the Big 12 title and uh, want to add another key victory to their belt. Head coach Chris Kalman is looking for that signature win again you know the big 12 championship win was a big one i think everybody kind of thought tcu was going to take that and they took it to them that was a fun game to watch the crimson's tide uh did receive some welcome news when both quarterback bryce young and linebacker will anderson announced that they will play in this game that almost doubled the spread when that happened so key players coming back to this game to play i'll open up the floor who wants to take the lead on this one i think 
you know, and I love K-State. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I great program. I've, yep. I've been there with work, Lawrence, Kansas. Can't say enough great things about Lawrence, Kansas. But I think they're in over their head. Mm. That's what I think. You know, they had a signature win against Oklahoma. They won against TCU, but TCU beat them in the regular season, you know, by 10. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're in over their head. I mean, I don't think that they're, unless Alabama just kind of loses all focus, which I don't think they will with Nick Saban. I think that Alabama's going to take care of this pretty handily. I believe that if Kansas State's quarterback shows up, he's only thrown two interceptions all year. I believe if he can kind of control Alabama's defense in a way, that they will be very dominant on the field. And I think Kansas State will win if the running back shows as well. But if they're just – I believe that how they've been playing regular season when games like don't really matter, I think if they show up like that, Alabama's going to win. So you bring up an interesting key player to this game, and I think it is a key player to the game. Adrian Martinez, the quarterback for uh, K-State there. If he's healthy and playing at his fullest, one of the best quarterbacks that we've got in the nation. Transferred out of Nebraska. You know, he was a, he was a Scott Frost followee there for a long time, falling from U, UFC or UCF and then on to um, Nebraska and then end up at Kansas State. The dude feels like he's been in college football for about 12 years. I'm sure it's only been six with this COVID year. <laughs> Adrian Martinez has been around a long time. He's got to be about 30 years old out there playing against these uh, these high school graduates and uh, young youngsters out there. But he is a key player to the game. I kind of led into this with what this matchup is. It's a matter of motivation. Are you motivated as Alabama to be in the Sugar Bowl? That's the question. I think if they're not – um, well, we've seen it before. Mr. Nick Saban is going to be yelling at them. Satan on Saban? The, <laughs> on the sideline. Well, he's and been Ms. yelling Terry, a lot this year. Miss Terry is not going to be happy. Saban's been yelling a lot this year. Um, and I think Easton brought up another good point. This Alabama defense is not Alabama defenses of old. Tennessee showed us that it is very susceptible over the top. K-State has the option to go over the top. Or before Tennessee showed us, Texas showed that this defense was susceptible over the top. And I still don't think they have answers in the top side of that secondary. Will Anderson's one guy on the defensive side. What's the other name? I think they have a Byron Young on that side of the football that is also a, a tough guy to uh, to deal with. But other than that, there's just not the, 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 the guys at linebacker or safety that you're accustomed to seeing Alabama have. And that that makes this defense a little different. Didn't Eli Ricks transfer to Alabama? Now he's leaving there again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't think he's going to play in this game. And they didn't play him for a long time. He did not play in the Tennessee game. He started to play towards the end of the year and, and had some good outings. I think this is a, a peculiar matchup. I don't know what to make of Alabama this year. And for so long, you pick Alabama minus anything, and it was it was as good as you could pick because. They're going to cover it. I don't know if they're that team anymore. Um, I don't think Saban's lost it. I still think he's the greatest college football coach we're ever going to see or probably have ever seen, and that hurts because he's an Alabama coach. But the the guy's it. I don't think he's he's lost it, so to speak, as much as the changing landscapes making it a little tougher Mm -hmm. to get to get the guys. We've said for a long time, it ain't the X's and O's, it's Jokers and Joes, and getting the Joes are a little bit harder to do now. So I'll start it off here. 
I'm going to take Bama. I think they have enough motivation in this. I think Bryce Young has enough motivation in this. Getting snubbed for the Heisman, not making it to the national championship. I think he's got a lot to prove. He wants to play. I think Will Anderson's got a lot to prove on the defensive side of the ball, and he's going to be in the ear of a lot of those other players on defense to get them fired up for this game. And I think they're going to show it on a national stage where they had these opportunities early in the year against Texas, against Tennessee, against uh, LSU, against A&M. Which of those games did Bama dominate in? Not one. Lost two of those four. Didn't dominate any of them. So I think this is an opportunity for them to prove that they, hey, Bama's still the standard when it comes to college football. Come, come play us. I think K State's going to be in over their head. I think, I think that's what you said as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're in over their head. I agree yeah. with that. I, I take Bama plus the points all day long on this yeah. at a seven-point game. I think, I think they win comfortably, uh, and that's yeah. where I've got it. I think that Alabama will win this game, but if they, if they don't show up, I feel like Kansas State has a good shot at winning it. Kansas State's got the offense to do so. If, if Bama doesn't doesn't show up, and and I, and I say that because I think their defense made some changes late in the year that give give Bama a little bit of a chance. But when I when I weigh that motivation factor, I feel like there's enough there for Alabama to be motivated. Yes. Yeah, yep. Alabama all the way. Yep. Any last takeaways? Nope. Nope. Moving on to one of those big time matchups here on the House Divided podcast. This is going to be one half of the house that's going to be. Really, really concerned about this one. It's our last non-playoff game we're going to be introducing here. This is going to be actually after the new year, January 2nd, 1 p.m. It's that favorite snack of mine. Cheez-Its Citrus Bowl, LSU versus Purdue. Buller makers and tigers going at it. There's nothing like Cheez-Its and some citrus fruit. Right? For a snack. That's a pretty good, pretty good option I know, right there. Yeah. So in this citrus bowl, LSU is favored by honey, do you know what the spread is? Um LSU by fifteen. Fourteen and, and a half. half. Fourteen and a half is what I've got is the consensus yep. spread. By far the biggest spread we've seen all night. For sure. I haven't seen any any above ten, I believe. I think we've seen a lot of a lot of threes and a lot of six and a halfs, right? At seven points, which makes this a peculiar matchup. Both teams come into this game as conference champions, runner ups. LSU lost to Georgia in the SEC title bout. Purdue falls to Michigan in the Big Ten title championship game. LSU comes into the matchup nine and four overall and posting more than thirty two points per game. On offense, and they also uh, kept opponents to 24 points per game. They averaged about 443 total yards per game, but surrendered 38 or more points in the last two matchups. Purdue boasted a credible passing attack this season, enough to win the Big Ten West, eclipsing 400 yards per game and four touchdowns offensively, but will be without its main weapons. Babe, I'm going to be honest. I tried my best to get a Purdue fan so that they could call into the show for here. I searched high and low. Couldn't find anybody. So, y'all out there, if you know any Purdue fans, let them know we're here and we were looking for them. Tell them we need them to call in. Hit us up. Yeah. And we'll get you on the show. I'm going to hand it out there, the, the uh, LSU-Purdue matchup. I mean, I, I don't think there's any surprise who I'm taking in this mm-hmm. matchup. Go Tigers. Um, but definitely LSU. LSU's favorite in this one. As I said, the spread is 15. Um, 
LSU by 15. And I was just looking at Purdue's schedule earlier because I really don't know anything about Purdue. haven't watched them this year. And so I know they lost to Michigan. Michigan took care of them pretty, pretty handily. Well, that game was close in the first half. Yeah. Uh, mm. it, it, it was, it was a pretty when, good watch. We watched most of it. We it, watched the second half, I believe. Yeah. No, it was the first well, half, well, yeah. They have yeah. one um, ranked win against Minnesota. Minnesota. Um, hey, the neighbors, Minnesota fans. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were at number 21. At one point. Oh. At one point, um, October 1st. And then they have a win against Illinois. They were ranked 21st. So, I, excuse me, two top 25 wins. So, you know, I'm going with uh, my team, LSU, on this one. That's surprising. <laughs> I know. We got wow. Jaden Daniels coming back. I think for one time tonight, we're all going to agree on a game. Maybe. Maybe. We got um, Booty coming back. A bootay. Yeah. Bootay. Put an E They've on been, the end. It sounds they cool. Have been like dirt. It booty. Oh, Don't season. church it up, dirt. And I'm calling this if you're, this is the losers of the. This is the runner-ups of the championship. The runner-ups. If you're it's not runner up first, bowl. if you're not first, you're last. <laughs> the not first, you're last bowl. Bowl. Um, <laughs> Cheez-Its and citrus fruits. Yes. We'll yes. put that on our charcuterie board. Well mixed. Well mixed. For well, this one. Hey, as long as we got some oranges, that mixes into the, the mix as well for the yeah. orange bowl. Yeah. So. House divided, you know, that's the way it goes together yep. sometimes. That's how we blend yep. those things we'll together. We'll just stock up on some uh, tangerines. Tangerines, so okay. um, all the citrus, all some the lime. citrus fruits, and so yeah, I mean, I I think that LSU is gonna gonna win out. Are we gonna cover the spread? I could see a fourteen point win. I don't know about fourteen and a half. Fourteen feels about right. Yeah. Look, I don't. I don't know, I don't know much. I don't about know. Purdue. LSU surprises me every year in bowl games. Yeah. Huh. Every year. So, I don't know much about Purdue. I will say this from what I've seen since the end of the regular season as it concerns LSU. They've picked up nothing but momentum. Um, as in players returning uh, and picking up players that uh, out of the transfer portal, LSU's a hot spot right now. Good things are happening. And all those signs point to continued momentum as they end of the year. With the one black spot of A&M lost, of course. I think, I think LSU showed well against Georgia. I think that game was – Close into the third quarter, which it really was. Su- surprised we, it, it was. It was, a it was still. It was still a good game into the third quarter, uh-huh. um, which I think, hands down, Georgia's the best team in the country. I don't think it's yeah. even close, which hurts me to say, but it it does. They are we kept it respectful. Oh yeah, for sure. You didn't. And get as soon out. as you thought yeah. that we would, as soon as Easton and I would yell yep. because they thought we were catching up. Would, yeah. The, yeah. It would flip. <laughs> well, you know, there's a there's a little give and take to that because like. From my perspective as a non-LSU fan, but I, I care about LSU because of you. You know, I'm watching that game, and I'm like, oh, this is getting ugly. I just saw a fight back from LSU continually. Yeah. You know, that's interesting to hear from your side. They're like, well, every time I think we're catching up, they just pull it away again. Like, I viewed it the other way. Like, yeah. hey, every time I think LSU's out of it, they fight right back. Yeah. And then finally, uh, but, yeah, every time they would fight back, which I, I think that's what it takes. you got to have a lot of resilience in a team. you gotta yes. you got to have a lot of next play mentality. So I'm just going to be honest. I don't know a lot a lot about Purdue. I think the only Purdue game I watched this year was against Michigan, and they played Michigan well for about two quarters, and they just didn't have the horses to go past that. I think LSU is going to give them a handful of problems. I will say I think Purdue will match up okay-ish 
on the defensive line versus the offensive line. I think LSU's offensive line's got some growing to do. I agree. Um, and I think that's one area if they can capitalize is where they can. Uh, they did against Michigan. They they, they had some success there uh, in that game. That's what I saw. Uh, that 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 could make this a tight matchup. But overall, I think LSU's just got too much for Purdue. Uh, the Bullmakers go down by at least fourteen. And maybe we have different perspectives because Easton and I were at that game. True. Yeah. And you were watching yeah. it from the hotel room. Yeah. And yeah. we with, were watching it in with the, the other LSU's. Three boys. Yeah. 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 We were watching it in the. LSU section filled yeah. with Georgia fans, right? Right. Right. Correct. I think in that game, LSU had just like no control. They're just keeping up with Georgia until the last half of the fourth quarter. Then everything just got ugly. Yeah, that's when we. Yeah, that's when we left. That's when it was time to walk to the Amtrak train again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Marta. The Marta. That's it. Yeah. But I have LSU winning this game. Is that, all, is that all the take you got? LSU yeah, wins. That, that's all Sometimes right. that's fair. That's all you Make need. Make Mama proud. I, proud I, parent I, moment. I think huh. Of the SEC matchups, I think this is the easiest one to pick. Was the LSU yeah. game? Yeah. What, from an LSU fan standpoint, what do you want to see? You know, I just want to see consistency. I want to see, and I was looking at something where um, Daniels just had an, so many rush yards this year. I mean, one of our top. Well, if you remember back to the first game of the oh, year. Oh, yeah, he was carrying it. I said, honey, he's playing his booty off. Reference to two players there, booty. Yeah, I got it. But he can't be the whole offense. And finally, he found those key players that could help him out. Neighbors, uh, Butte didn't mm-hmm. come on until about midseason. Neighbors has been amazing. Yeah, neighbor, neighbors has been his guy. I still think his Neighbors is his number one target he looks for. As much as mm-hmm. – uh, Keyshawn Boutte is the a, a dynamic wide receiver. I feel like Jaden Daniels and uh, Neighbors have got that uh, that connection with one another that you want in receiver quarterback. So, yeah, Jaden Daniels had 180 carries, uh, 18, 818 yards, and That's 11 touchdowns. Yeah, that, that is a lot. a lot. That surprised me, right? Mm-hmm. And we but we've all seen it. And the Neighbors had uh, 63 receptions. 854 yards and two touchdowns. Only two touchdowns. Only two touchdowns. But I I feel like he had a lot of key first downs. Yes, agreed. And and that he was the guy that he would look for. So, consensus pick as we thought it would be all taking LSU. Yeah. Is it time? Do we move on? I think it is. It is. Those playoffs. Yeah, the college football playoff finally upon us here. The last two games we're going to be picking, and then we'll be back with you after the new year to recap our picks and go over uh, the national championship game and see where exactly we all stacked up in the pick'em segment. We're going to start chronologically here with the 4 p.m. game, Saturday, December 31st. We've got the Verbo. I like Verbo. Good place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Verbo Fiesta Bowl. Number two, Michigan. Number three, TCU. Before I go much further than that, I'm going to stop right there. Number two, Michigan. Number three, TCU. Uh Do we feel that Georgia got dealt a bad hand? Because the committee said that they didn't give any thought to uh, a Michigan-Ohio State matchup. But, man, it sure looks that way. TCU loses their last game. Ohio State. 
doesn't do anything and they're in, but TCU doesn't move from that number three spot. One can only think you don't want an Ohio State-Michigan matchup in the semifinal. Leave TCU where they are. In my personal opinion, if you're racking and stacking four teams, those four teams go Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, then TCU. But because of the optics of it, Georgia now faces the tougher opponent. Michigan gets the seemable easier opponent in TCU. Michigan's going to be favored in this game. Seven and a half points. The over-unders at 58 and a half. I think most of those points are going to come to Michigan. Michigan's the defending Big Ten champion for the second straight year. They uh, won't beat Ohio State for the second straight year. And are coming into the game 13 and 0 as the one of the only two undefeated teams in the nation. TCU is one of the greatest surprises of the college football year. Sonny Docks has got the Horn Frogs rolling. TCU's always been a fun game, a team to watch, but Max Duggan at quarterback. If you watched that Big 12 championship game and didn't feel that guy given every ounce of what he had on the field and came away a Max Duggan fan, I can't call you a college football fan because he laid it all out there. He's one of the nation's most efficient passers. And at the helm of an offense that scores, on average, more than 40 points per game. Michigan also is one of the top seven teams in the country to score more than 40 points a game. The Horned Frogs came close to winning that Big 12 title. They fell short against Kansas State in overtime, or a fourth down that just ended up short. College football committee kept them right there at number three, and so we get this matchup between Michigan and TCU. Yeah, I don't think, you know, Georgia was dealt a bad. I do. You do? I think I think the right matchup is Georgia-TCU. You think it is? Yeah. But I also get the optics. You don't want a semifinal of a, a, of a returning. I get yeah. that too. Yeah, yeah. I, I see. Mean, I see both sides that. of it. it. If you want a rematch, you want it for the for for all the marbles. So I get both sides. And I think that's just the thinking of the old BCS system where yeah. everybody just moved based on that week. And I yeah. think that they're just looking at TCU and how they stayed. And most people. But the thing is, is if you look at it from the other side. Ohio State doesn't play in a championship game. So why are you going to penalize TCU for playing? I fully agree with that take, babe, that there has to be value in being in the championship game. So they should not be penalized for playing in a championship game. Well, I think think the way it ended, too, it. it And it was an overtime. Well, not only that, a fourth quarter comeback. 17 points they had to come back in the fourth quarter. Yeah. They came back in the fourth quarter. They get it to overtime. They go for the win. AKA the touchdown from from the two questionable call here or there was he in was he not called short they need to get a stop they can't get stopped the field goal wins it I like the aggressiveness like we're gonna end this one way or another fair look at LSU yeah had had a two point conversion gone the other way or are they the West champions nope they're not there they're not they're not where they are today it, ultimately I think. Still, if you just rack and stack them, I, I get all the optics. There needs to be a lot of reform to the Big Ten to make them relevant. The Big Ten East has two teams, and that's it. Penn State is also in the East, and they maybe are a they're a, they're a solid top twenty program. They're not a top ten program. I think they got the benefit of the doubt by playing both Ohio State and Michigan that they they got bumped up there. 
Um, their only other real win was against Auburn, and Auburn is, what, second or last in the West? Uh, yeah. They're right there. Yeah, I don't think that Georgia got a bad hand. And I'm going to pick Michigan in this one just because of um, Harbaugh's khakis. He does wear some extremely happy khakis. Happy khakis. And I think his he looks good in them. puts on dad mode. <laughs> yeah. If you want to talk about near 40s dad khakis, yeah. Harbaugh is the epitome <laughs> of the near 40s dad bod khakis. Yeah. And I like it. Hashtag dad bod Happy khakis. khakis. And I think he wears Lululemon khakis. Very well, maybe. I have Michigan winning. Is it because of the khakis? It could be. I don't know. <laughs> I think this is going to be like the SEC championship. I think it's going to be a close game till about like five minutes left in the game. Then I think just Michigan's going to take over the whole TCU offense. And just dominate from then on. So the Michigan defense has been their stud. Uh, they've also scored points. And they've scored it both running and passing. I think this game probably gets to about a 15 to 20 point lead for Michigan in the third quarter. Yeah. And TCU, like they've done all year, roars back. To make this one of the more intriguing semifinal games that we've seen in some time. Because let's face it most of the semifinal games have been snoozers they've been blowouts for quite some time i hope i hope that this game kind of gets to be that 15 20 point and we see a tcu roar now michigan fans are going to hope nope that's where our defense clamps down we have a second half like we had against ohio state and we just rush them out of the game but in my opinion a wolverine beats a a horned frog all day long. Oh, yeah, all day long, twice on Sunday. And you take the Wolverines in this, and they're favored. I got Michigan winning this game as well, but it's close. Yeah. I, say, I don't think it's close. I think three to four points. I think it's close. I think TCU's resiliency shows up. I think it's like 14. Okay, fair. Yeah. Fair. Both have Michigan winning. You say big, I say small. Both will win. Yeah. I think they have. I like it big. Well, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> I like Any it. last takes? <laughs> no. TCU Michigan. We'll end on that one. Nope. Nope. 8 p.m. New Year's Eve. It's a Saturday. It's a Saturday. Yeah. He knows that now. I know that. The Chick-fil-A. Oh, man, Chick-fil-A is good. So good. The Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. We can add some chicken nuggets onto that charcuterie. That's not the worst that's idea. Right, that's right. No. Well, they just sell them in the football form during football season from Ooh. Chick-fil-A. You can get like 50 of them. Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, number one, Georgia, versus number four, Ohio State. Ohio State, the lucky recipient of a USC loss in the big or the Pac-12 championship to get into the college football playoff. Georgia is favored by six and a half points. The over-under is 62 points. This year brings uh, an exciting SEC Big Ten matchup. I think uh, two premier programs here in Georgia and Ohio State. Squaring off in the Peach Bowl, Georgia is the college football's defending national championship. Comes in undefeated, uh, something it didn't do last year. It's also the SEC champion, something it didn't do last year. Stetson Bennett, 
making big time plays, Heisman finalists. Uh, the Georgia offense has scored when they need to. They can do it in a lot of different ways. But Ohio State also has that prolific offense checking in. Fell to Michigan, their only loss on the year. But still a very impressive offense with C.J. Stroud and Marvin Harrison Jr., the Blitnikoff runner-up, and what some would say the best wide receiver in the game. Very intriguing matchup, offensively based. I think Georgia has a slight edge on the defensive side of the ball. Let's discuss. I think, and if you look at Ohio State, they lost to Michigan. Yep. You know, pretty handily. Okay. Yeah, well. I mean. It is handily. Yeah, 45 to 23. Correct. In fact, it was still the game at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Yep. It was yeah, still a game. It, it was deep. It was deep. And. And as much as I credit Michigan for the win, I don't fault Ohio State as much for the loss. The final score wasn't indicative of the game that was played. Michigan gets the credit for a good win over their rival, and Ohio State is still a very, very talented and capable team. The only thing about Ohio State is really they play Penn State and no one else. Michigan. They played Notre Dame, and they played Michigan. First game of the year. They played Notre Dame. They played Notre Dame the first game of the year, and yeah. that was yeah. It's that's, that's it was still a close game. Yeah, the Notre Dame game was like twenty four ten. Yeah, it was a close game. Twenty one ten. Yeah, it's very close. Yeah, game. yeah. So I'm just not really impressed with Ohio State. I've just never been. I've never been a Ohio State fan. Well, they're very impressive against inferior opponents. If you watch their yes. games, yes. Yeah. Um, I think that this is a blowout. I agree. A yeah, blowout. I, I would say that too. I think yeah. Georgia romps them. Rom- yeah. Romps. I think it's just 21 hard. plus. 21 plus win. Yeah, that spread Georgia. is like 7. Yeah, it's 6 it and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think if it were 14, I'm still picking Georgia. Same. If it's if a it was seven, 21. 17, I'm still picking Georgia. Yeah. 21s I think about where the line's going to be. Yeah. I think Georgia comes into this game hungry. Mhm. Mad. Ready to attack and make mincemeat of Ohio State. On the flip side, though, Ohio State has something to prove as well. And they have talent. Brian Day's a good coach, and I think they have the opportunity to show up at a game. Whether we see that they will or not is yet to be known. We've seen them in, I think, what you call three premier matchups this year. Uh, All three of those matchups, I didn't see prolific offense or defense at all. So I know the talent's there, and I know it's capable of doing so. Can they exploit some things that Georgia doesn't do well? I don't know. Time will tell. I don't think that they're used to being challenged. Agreed. Yeah. You're not used to being challenged. You're not used to, you know, going against opponents week in, week out. I think that was showed in the Michigan game, really, because they're at home. For the first time in a few years, I believe. And they just got destroyed. Well, every other year they'll play every, home and yeah. away. Yeah. So, yeah, but you, losing at home yeah. is t- tough. You know, you get the home field advantage that make, makes a big di- difference. Especially in a rivalry game like that. And I think there's a level to that that a lot of times they can walk into games and be, we are Ohio State, we're yeah. the best team on the field, when you're not. Yeah. Where's your grit? Where's your resiliency? Yeah. Where's your determination? Agreed. And I think that they depend on their name a lot. Agreed. That makes sense. But I also think those things are driving factors into a game like this. That look what Michigan did to us on our home field. 
if I'm a coach, that's what I'm using this motivation. Mm-hmm. You want to think you're the Ohio State? Like, look what happened to you on your home turf. You ain't nothing. You got something to prove. I would use it all day long. I do not coach. think all of the motivation in the world that they could still beat Georgia. <laughs> yeah, I don't, fair. I don't think that's, they could. That's a fair I mean, take. That's that a fair beast take. of a tight end. Yeah. That well, Georgia yes, has, he is. He's a ginormous. Beast. And I also picked Georgia because we were at the SEC championship and mm-hmm. I was sitting on a bench um, outside of the Spring Hill Suites. And if this mama is listening, hit me up. And she was the mama of a Georgia player and her player had gotten hurt a few times torn ACL he has two years of eligibility left but because of COVID he's been playing and um, he's finally back on the field and she said that her son finds her before every game and they pray together and I just that just touched my heart so this one's for you mama I'm picking Georgia and I'm rolling with him I'm rolling with the dogs as well the big tight end, Darnell Washington. Yep. He's a beast. Ridiculous. A big man should not move that fast. Huh. Easton, you got Georgia as well? I, I am taking Georgia. And we've seen them play. We've yeah, seen I've, it, oh, yeah, I've seen Georgia play a ton. I mean, it live, you yeah, know. Yeah, we've seen how dominant Georgia how dominant. Except Georgia against be. the Missouri Tigers. That's the only team that yeah. uh, really rocked Georgia's world this year. Yep. Yep. So, fair takes, fair takes. That's it. We've got uh, – a national championship set with Georgia versus Michigan, the two undefeated teams in the nation. As we wrap up the inaugural House Divided podcast, I'm your Tennessee host, Joe, your LSU host. Hey, I'm Bethany. We appreciate each and every one of you for joining in and listening to our takes on our college football things in fandom. We hope to uh, share more with you down the line. And as uh, this show progresses, we'll be here as often as we can be talking about college football and all the things that like or just whatever randomly pops in our heads. Could be, uh, you know, the dog peed in the carpet and now I'm mad. Could be I whatever. Did step in cold poop the other day. Right. You did step in cold poop. Could be <laughs> all those things. We appreciate y'all for joining in. We're going to wrap things up. Uh-huh.